you are dearly loved. Chances are, before you leave worship this morning, you're going to hear those words. Before you go back out into the world, I'll do the best I can to point your heart to that gospel certainty, that assurance, that encouragement, that God loves you, knows you, cares for you, has been watching over you. It isn't the same thing as saying that life will be trouble-free. Disappointments will come. The world is broken, and it will bite you at times. Sometimes it gets so painful that we lose our footing, and we get swept away in the troubles of that particular day. And Maybe when that happens, these words will come back to you. You are dearly loved. In all of life, all of it, someone is loving you. Sturdy, steady, well, you're dearly loved. That's what David was discovering in 1 Samuel 20. In the confusion and the danger of Saul's anger, the sweet and unexpected discovery was that David could still count on Jonathan, his friend. Nothing changed Jonathan, even though his father was dissolving in anger. Somehow, Jonathan could keep his bearings and could still stay loyal to David. Will you consider this morning, because it's the theme of my message to you, that the way Jonathan loved David is the way Jesus loves you. It's the same pattern, same loyalty. Both are the sons of a king. Both are faithful and true in the worst moments of your life. Now, Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe I'm seeing pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament where they really aren't. But I don't think so. If there is only one great God, then there is only one great story that he's been trying to tell ever since the world was created. And he's written little hints of it into every historical chapter. The old-timers used to call this a type. In the life of Jonathan, you see a type, a prophetic hint of the coming of the Savior who is the friend that we've all needed. I'm going to invite you to stand and with that filter read these scriptures in a new way. Lift up your eyes and see the best friend you ever had. Let's stand together and we'll read. This is the way we're going to read. It's printed on the back of this. If you didn't get one of these, raise your hand and somebody's going to give you theirs. We're all going to do this together. Read like you mean it. Here we go. Then Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or the third day, behold, if there is a good feeling toward David, shall I not then send to you and make it known to you? If it please my father to do you harm, may the Lord do so to Jonathan and more also, if I do not make it known to you and send you away so that you may go in safety. And may the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, will you not show me the loving kindness of the Lord that I may not die? You shall not cut off your loving kindness from my house forever. Not even when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying... May the Lord require it at the hands of David's enemies. Jonathan made David vow again because of his love for him.
because he loved him as he loved his own life. Thank you. He took off his robe. We saw it last week in 1 Samuel 18. Maybe you remember that story. David is new to court. He does not have the appropriate clothes that would be right for court. So Jonathan took off his robe and gave it to his new friend. And when you came to Jesus by faith, or if you will do that today, he will take off his white robe and wrap it around your shoulders. A robe of righteousness. He'll put it up against the skin, the dirt on your skin, and you'll be cleaner than you ever dreamed. He will call you by his name and by his righteousness. You will not answer for the sins of your past. You'll be clean. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne, says the great hymn. And he gave David a sword. Again, that's first eight, chapter 18 last week. In those days, you served in the army with your own personal property. No government, not at least the developing nations, could supply the army with a weapon. So you fought with what you owned, a pitchfork or a stick or a stone or a sling. So David was vulnerable until... Jonathan, who had a sword, gave it to David. Forty-seven years ago, here's my testimony, my Jonathan gave me a sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You don't know this, but when I first began in ministry, I was terribly insecure. I couldn't speak, I couldn't lead, I wasn't funny, and I wasn't dynamic, and I just felt so completely overwhelmed by what God was asking me to do. Here, he said, use this. He put into my hand his word and the power of it. and It's unlike anything else, he said. If you will study this book and teach this book, People will feel, feel the piercing power of the Spirit of God in their lives. It will pierce even between the soul and the spirit, into, down the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It, this book, this sword, will judge men's deepest thoughts. Here, he said, use this sword. It never has been my power. Uh, it is the sword that my Jonathan gave me to use. The first Jonathan brought David into covenant. That's verse 16 and 17 of today's reading. Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord require it at the hands of David's enemies. And Jonathan made David vow again because of his love for him. Last week when we first encountered the covenant, it was a unilateral sort of a thing. It was David pledging his love to I mean, Jonathan pledging his love to David. It was a gift. Now Jonathan wants to hear David promise with his own lips. He says, I, I want to hear it from you. We're in this together. I want you to say it. You have loved me well. Now I love you. I want to be your person. I don't want you to think it this morning. I want you to say it out loud. 
I belong to Christ. I will serve Him all my days. I have no sweeter privilege than to belong to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I want you to say it. The covenant said out loud by the recipient of it. Uh, You say, many of you, that Jesus has loved you. Now say the other part. I love you back. I love you back. The answer for great love is great love. There isn't anything else appropriate. If somebody has loved you well, the only way you can finally answer is to love them back. Love them well. And this is that pledge. Say it again. Uh, I enter when on Lord's Supper, Jesus says, This is the covenant of our, my blood. This is a new covenant. And we take it into us. And he says, So you take it now and stand, everybody. Walk out into this world and live his life. No longer use God as a commodity or comfort for your own welfare. Live for him. Say that you will. Say it again and again. Every worship service, enter back into the covenant. I want to be yours. The first Jonathan was loyal and true. Sometimes friendship is fun. And sometimes it isn't fun. Uh, There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, says Proverbs 18. And that's who Jonathan was. David's life began to unravel politically and physically and emotionally. People began to turn on him. But nothing could dissuade that dear friend to say, I'm with you, David. I am with you. That's who Jesus has been to you. That's how Jesus has treated you all of these years. Lo, I'm with you always. I'm not leaving. I'm here. I'm right with you. If you you belong to Jesus because of your faith commitment, if you have surrendered in love to Him, He has never left you. Neither death nor life nor things present nor things to come can separate you from the love of God that you discovered when you found Jesus. He's right there. Now, there will be days that you don't feel like Jesus is near. I guarantee it. But those feelings are not true. The truth is, He is nearer to you than your skin, and He is deeper inside you than your breath. He is with you. Loyal, not fickle, strong. And the only way to take hold of that, everybody, is to trust that He is telling you the truth. The only way to live a life that is righteous is by faith, by perceiving with your faith what is being said to you as accurate and then living on that truth. So there will be days you don't feel like He is near. but You have to answer whether He has told you the truth about Himself and then you put your life right down there on that rock. The first Jonathan faced his father's anger. If there's a difference between Jesus the Lord and Jonathan the prince, this is where it will be found. For the first king is unfair in his irrational anger toward David. It's completely unfair. There's no basis for it. The great God is fiercely fair in his holy disappointment with this world. He's, He's not making this up. The human race has failed him awfully. We have raised our fist against this great God and his fierce anger toward 
the race is called wrath. Your notes will read Romans 1, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. You don't know it unless somebody tells you about it. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who don't want the truth to be known. Wrath is that deep abiding resistance of God that the world will not be left to stay in sin. He is not going to allow it. I'm going to say it again. He is not going to allow it. You will not be free to live in rebellion against the one who created you and gave his son to save you. You will not be free to do it. He will never stop resisting it. The Bible calls it his wrath. And you can either yield or face it. So Jonathan... Just as Jonathan stood before the wrath of his father and brought back a word to his friend of guidance, Jesus stood before the wrath of his father and brought back a word of pardon. What a sweet word that is. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. The first Jonathan almost took a spear for his friend. The second Jonathan actually did take a spear for us. And if Jonathan and his father were divided, Jesus and his father were united in this purpose. For you see, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. In his wrath, he was not content to only live in wrath toward this race. He will send his son and he will say, Here, run this way. Run to this Savior. There will be pardon there. So what shall we do? If, as the scripture says, you've been loved so well so long. How shall I respond to this story once it gets past the page and into my heart? Let me just offer a few. One, we will run to our friend in trouble. We will run to him. Just like David ran to Jonathan because it was the only place he knew he could find solace and help. He was the only person who could tell him the inner workings of the court. Uh, I'll carry no burden past this day that I do not talk with him about. I will not hold secrets from this great God. I will go find his counsel on all things. I'll talk with him in trouble. I'll find him in a quiet place. In verse 11, Jonathan wisely says to David, let's go out into a field. Let's go out someplace where nobody will be near us. Our Jonathan says to you, go get in your closet. Shut the door. Don't take your phone. Shut off Facebook. Go listen to me. Go listen to the one who has always known how to make life make sense. Go find me. Many of us make huge, huge life-altering decisions in our lives and everybody else's without ever seeking the counsel of God. The devil has convinced us he won't talk to you. He will not help you. He's not available. And this book says just the opposite. He's near you. Go meet him in a quiet place. Is that a harder way to live? In some ways, yes, maybe. 
Is it an easier way to live? Absolutely. Tonight we will hear a report in our church, but there will be no safety in it. Not unless the people of this church will go get on their knees before the Father. The only plan that God's ever had for the church is that we would walk in union with the Holy Spirit of God. That's been our safety. And no church is ever safe until they recover that lesson. I will trust in his unfailing love. That's my next lesson. David didn't. At times, David lost his footing. He said to Jonathan at the start of this conversation, What is my crime? Surely you know. What have I done? What are people saying? He, he tr didn't trust his friend. He felt certain that Jonathan was in on the conspiracy. And Jonathan said, Buddy, I haven't heard anything. And if I did hear, I, I will tell you. I, Jonathan remembered the relationship better than David did. And he said, My brother, I would never let you be confused. I would never hear that and not bring it to you. And so I wonder whether you will say again this morning, I've never had but one great guide in my life, and it was Jesus. It was not my feelings, it was not my society, it was not my friends, it was not the approval of others. I have never had but one great friend in this world, and to him I owe everything. And I will be faithful to his children, that's the last. Jonathan was careful, he said to David, now, when you come to your kingdom, do you promise that you'll take care of my children? Whether I'm alive or not, do you promise that you will care for the people that I care for? Uh, Jesus said the same thing. He said to Peter, do you love me? You go love those folks. Do they irritate you sometimes? Yes. Are they fickle and petty and prone to sin? Yes. But if you love me, you connect with that group of people and you pray for them and you love them and you guide them. This generation has foolishly said, I can love Jesus just by myself. I don't need a church. I don't need to belong to a church. I don't need to connect to a church or know them or love them. That is just not true. You love me. You love those people. That's what um, our Jonathan has said. So, when I say it at the end of the service, the best privilege that a pastor ever has, when I look at you and tell you the truth, you are dearly loved. Will you hear the story of Jonathan and David? Or, and here's an even better word, will you hear again the larger reality that the best gift God ever gave you is his son who is your friend? Let's pray together. So, Father, um, now the reality got painted clearly again that you have loved us always. There was not a day you didn't love us. Your wrath was real against the sin of this world, but you were providing a path for uh, us to find pardon and eternal life and the recovery of that original plan. And to that great love and against it, we will then either respond or not. We will uh, answer with our own trust or we will run again back into the darkness. 
So help us today. Spirit of the living God, convict hearts, cause us to connect profoundly and strongly to the Son of God who is the, the hope of the world. 